0: Hello, friends. Hey, I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning. It's so funny, Brandon said that I'm his favorite person on the planet today, but we were just informed by our seven-year-old this week that we're tied for fourth place. <laughs> he he informed us we're behind God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and I was like, can't argue with that, but let's... <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I'm at least somebody's favorite. But I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning. It, um, it's, it's just so exciting for me when I get the opportunity to share my heart. I'm Jen Matthews, um, Brandon's wife, and I'm the worship and creative pastor here, if I haven't met you. But I don't take it lightly when I get the opportunity to share my heart here. It's not just some part of the package where I'm the wife, so I get my turn, or I'm a friend, so I get my turn. They would absolutely shut me down if they didn't trust my voice, and so that's the treasure to me that they actually do, um, because they protect the messages that come out of this place. They really do, and just as a part of the church, I appreciate that a lot, so um, I went over and over in my head about what I wanted to share today because I was like, it's not a themed series. It could be anything on the planet. And it was like, worship, no, something else. Anything, It worship, no, something else. No, it's, it's worship. Yeah. I, <laughs> let's just be real. My calling and my purpose is teaching worship and leading worship here and ultimately protecting the worship that happens in this place. And so it should have been no surprise or shock to me that my heart stayed with worship. When it came time to have a voice, you guys only ever hear me talk for maybe five to ten seconds at a time. So to be able to put together an actual message and share my heart for this place, it was very fitting that it would be on worship. The truth is everybody who's walked in here today has a theology of worship. Some idea of it, some opinion of it, and I know some are thinking, "No, not me. I just got here so that I could miss worship." We we see that happen. We know what's going on. We know what's up. But in that, you have an opinion of worship. You've had an idea of what it is or isn't or what it's for. And um, sometimes that idea is right. Sometimes that idea is wrong. And what we what we end up doing in our whole really faith or anything in life, you believe some things because it's from the Bible, but then you believe some things because it's what you were taught or just opinions you've developed on your own throughout time. And it's been really interesting in the church... Lately, I mean, I'm sure it's existed forever, but it's super popular all of a sudden, this deconstruction phase. Have y'all heard of people deconstructing their faith? And it can be a very healthy thing to kind of strip down what you believe and figure out why. Why do I believe this? It was very healthy for me because I grew up just doing what I was told, so I didn't have a backbone in my faith. So when I stripped it down to figure out why and then reconstructed it based on the Word of God, it was a very healthy thing for me. Um, but I, I'm left to wonder sometimes how, much, how many of us would really benefit from doing that with worship. Like, what does the Bible really say about worship, and what is just in my mind about worship? What are my just opinions about worship? I know for some of us, it's literally just a musical genre, um, just a type of music. But that gives you the ability to say, I like it or I don't like it right? To some of us, it's the, the, the memories of this one lady bat- banging out the gospel hymns like on a piano, you know, sometimes accompanied by an organ doing the same thing, but, you know, half the notes are right, half of them are wrong, and we're just going to go to town. That's a memory of worship from the past for me. Um, for some of us, it's a buffer, from, you know, church starts at 9, so I know I've got till about 9.20 to get in my seat and get my coffee like I like it. Uh, some of, for some of us, it's that buffer to be late. Uh, but then for some of us, it's a time of just rest. It's a time of refreshing. It's a time where war is waged. Um, and that is just a whole, uh, so there's these two completely different opinions of where you could come in and see, what you could see in this moment. Um, but when you realize that there's maybe something about this that you've been missing, anything in life, right? When you discover there's something, some part of it you haven't discovered yet, there's layers and you're like, oh, there's, some, there's more to this than I knew. It can be really kind of shocking, right? Like, oh, it's not just the, oh, this is not just like the, the music we come into and find our seats. It's not that. Sometimes it can be shocking. And this happened to us recently with the game of checkers. You guys ever played checkers? oh, come on, I'm serious, I'm here with you, have you played checkers, (laughs) I was like, everybody's played checkers, look, I do not like to play games, I get very claustrophobic if I'm in a game for too long, and so there are very few games that are on my list, and checkers is one of them, because it's kind of fast, Uno's one, Connect four, these things, I can be like, okay, I'm out, Um, Monopoly does not, it will never (laughs) exist in our house, if somebody teaches Asher, there's going to be instant heartbreak, because it's not, it's banned from our home. Um, but recently during a camping trip, we learned the real rules of checkers. How much, how difficult could checkers be? Like, that's why I like it. Well, it turns out there's an actual rule. One of the few rules of checkers is that if you are set up to jump somebody, does everybody know you tracking to jump somebody in checkers, you have to do it. You have to do it. So, you know, growing up, if some if if I had to jump there and I could jump your guy, but I could see you could jump me back or maybe you could jump two of mine or steal my king or I'm not going to do it, right? Like you're going to pass up, and you're going to take another turn. Well, the rules are you have to do it. So now there's strategy because I could choose to sacrifice one of my guys to be able to jump two of yours, and you can't do anything about it. I could choose to sacrifice one of my guys to steal your king or to get you out of that king spot to where I can get mine over there. And there's all this strategy now. It's still a quick, easy game, but now there's this whole other level. And the first few times I saw it, I was like, don't, don't tell me what to do with checkers. Checkers is the easy game I've known since I was a kid. Like, don't change it up on me. I was not happy with it at all. But the more I played it with this new mindset, Asher, our seven-year-old, mastered it first. So he was so proud of himself. And he was like, Mom, you've got to jump. You've got to jump. And it was just this whole thing. And I was like, <sighs> but then the more I played it, the more I began to appreciate how much more fun it was to go. You didn't see that coming, did you? gotcha. And he's like, oh, I got the most checkers. I'm like, yeah, but look now. And uh, so it became fun. It was still fast. It was still easy. So it took me a minute. I was aggravated to learn this new thing. And then you learn to appreciate the layer it added to the game, right? Worship, I'm saying worship, but anything in life you learn that new layer to can be the same way. And worship is certainly one of them. When you learn that there's something more to worship or maybe more required of us in worship, it can be like I really don't want to do that. I really don't like that. I really don't. But then the more you embrace it, the more you begin to just open yourself up to what God's called us to in this area of worship, the more you'll begin to crave it. And the more you'll begin to understand how close you can be to the Father when you just really take it for what it is and how He's instructed us to approach the subject of worship. And so, my hope this morning is that something triggers in you to just, just just hunger for a little bit more of his presence, a little bit more of him and who the power, honestly, and the presence that he's got available to us. So I'm going to pray for us this morning and then we'll dig in to some ways that worship is just the prescription for our lives. God, we love you so much. I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you have gifted us with your word so that we can learn how to be close to you and learn how to know your heart. God, I pray that this morning you would help us to engage with your Holy Spirit as you communicate to us. I pray that my words would just be your words, God, that the opinion of Jen would fall to the side and that only your words would be communicated this morning. You would help us all to be changed just a little bit more, to be just a little bit more like you and to know you just a little bit better. God, we pray that you would anoint this word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. My my message is called Worship Prescription this morning. If you're a note taker, if you're not a note taker, welcome to the new thing you're going to do. You're going to take some notes this morning. So you've got a blank note sheet in your worship guide, and I would just encourage you to write down some of the scripture references I'm going to give you. It will just be a great resource for you to have going forward, because as you dig into this in your personal life as you worship, you'll be like, but what did she say? As you keep discovering more. So it'll just be great to have to hang on to. But in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, we're taught to worship in spirit and in truth. And this is very important two sides of the coin. In a lot of ways, in our faith, but in worship particularly, because spirit is the side that we maybe don't understand, you can't see. It's a little more like faith based and out there. And then truth is the what's right here, what I can see, what I can understand. And so you've got to have both because. Our flesh just really doesn't understand worship, okay? To walk in here and go, I'm singing to the God of the universe. It's like, no, you're singing in a building in Shelby County, and this is it. Like, that's what our flesh could say. Our flesh could say, these are just nice melodies with really pretty lights. Our flesh could say, this is just a nice atmosphere. These are just my friends. Our flesh could dismiss this as just what it looks like. But if we do that, then it gives us the option in ourselves to engage with worship or not engage with worship. It gives us the ability to consume it as something enjoyable or to reject it. It gives us the opportunity to like it or dislike it. But the danger in that is I've decided that worship's about me. If I can like it or just I don't want to do that or I do want it, then it's about me and not about God at all. When in reality, it's about God and only God. And so it's dangerous grounds when we start Deciding we like it or we don't like it, or we want to engage or we don't like it's our option when He's really instructed us to worship. There's something about music that all of our bodies were just made to respond to. There's so many ways to worship, and we're not going to get into all of them today um, because. I deal with the music side of things, so we're going to rest there. No, but I think it's a very important aspect of it, whether you like music or don't like music. Our bodies were created to respond to music. If you want to think about it in your day-to-day life, think about a movie. If you were to mute the sound and just maybe read the captions or whatever, if it's a scary movie or a tense movie, and you don't have the music that's convincing you that it's really dangerous, it's just like, What's going on? Can't he see? It's right there. It's right, like, you're about to walk into a trap. Like, it just all looks dumb, right? Think about Jaws. It's just a weird plastic shark until it's do-do-do. Then you're like, oh, he is dangerous. Think about your feelings. When you're in your feels, you can just put on the perfect song. And it's, I've been standing at the edge of the water. All my dreams are going to come true. Or you're thinking, I dug my key into the side right? It's going to rouse all all the feelings inside of you, whatever the song is. You're going to get all fired up one way or the other, right? Depending on the words, depending on the song, depending on your mood. And I love in the Bible, there's a few examples of how music affects people. And one example I feel like we've probably heard a lot, if you've heard of any of them, it's King Saul. He was often um, tormented by these spirits. And the way that he would calm down is David would come and play music, and he would calm down, his spirit would calm. But the other example I really love in the Bible is in 2 Kings 3.15, In that chapter, it's like, these are the coolest people to read about. Like, it's about Elijah and Elisha. and this one, Elisha says, Now bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And here's what I like about these two examples, is that it's the gambit, okay? King Saul was not operating in the spirit of the Lord, but a worshiper came and played music, and it still calmed his spirit. Elisha, on the other hand, was a prophet, and he was the assistant to Elijah, who was this amazing prophet, and he was gifted with a double portion of God's presence when Elisha poofed off into heaven. Like these guys were close to the Lord, okay? It was miracles, it was raising people from the dead. It was, I know what's going on when I'm not there. The Lord was just speaking to him left and right. This wasn't somebody who needed something conjured up. He didn't need his feelings to be activated, but still, his spirit responded to music that's when the Lord started speaking with him. And what I know this morning is that all of us are walking hard roads, right? I mean, every one of us has a journey. What, what I teach our worship team all the time to realize is that each person in these seats is not just another person beside you, but it's a whole other story. Like, for every bit of journey you're on, the person beside you is on a whole other one. And for every bit of intense that you feel at any given moment, there's that much sitting beside you. And so I know that we're all on all these stories and all these journeys and we've got prayers and we've got dreams and we've got all these things. But without putting God first, without the worship aspect, believing without action is not gonna get us anywhere. It's just not gonna get us anywhere. Well, so often we want the reward, we want the answered prayer, we want the dream come true, we want the purpose delivered without putting the work in. And that's just not the way it happens. And I know what you're saying, Jen, the Bible says we're not saved by works. It's a grace thing. But that's not what I'm talking about. We are only saved by grace. We are only saved through Jesus. But when it comes to, I've just never, in the whole Bible, if you've got time, I'll start in Genesis 1. And we'll end, I'm kidding, we don't have time. But the whole entire Bible, I haven't seen an example where a miracle was given, where a prayer was answered, and there wasn't some kind of action from the receiver. There's some action of believing. There's some action of relationship, and that's the work. The work is being close to him. Again, the common story from start to finish in the Bible is just remain in me. Be close to me, and then it will be delivered, and then I'll do everything that you ask or seek it's being close to him. Relationship is the work. It's putting him first instead of last. He's not an extra layer on our life. He's not a Sunday morning to-do list item, but it's putting in the work of sacrificing time and attention. And I know a lot of us say, I don't have more time or attention to sacrifice. I've got kids everywhere. I'm at work all day long. I'm out all day. But we do. We do have time. And the more you find these little nuggets of time to give to him and pour into that relationship, the more you crave it. And the more you realize, oh, I do also have time on my drive to work. Oh, I do also have time in the shower. Oh, I do also have time before bed. You start realizing the time in your day because you crave that moment with him. You start to realize the power that's in his presence. And worship really is the perfect prescription for all of our lives in so many ways. And I could talk about it all day long, but we're going to look at three areas this morning that if we apply the prescription of worship to our lives, if we start worshiping, these are the three areas that we'll see his power just compound and open up whole new, whole new arenas in our life. Our eyes will just be open. Number one is that worship is the prescription for presence, the prescription for presence, and you think, well, okay, but from a logical standpoint, and I'm talking about my life, and who cares, and I know, like, as a worshiper, I'm like, why would anybody say who cares, but why is it important, for real, why is it important that we would walk in the presence of God, and simple, the Bible tells us that every good thing comes in his presence. This is what the Bible says. It brings joy. It brings peace. It brings rest. It brings confidence. It brings protection, wisdom, purpose, power, healing, stability. James tells us that every good and perfect thing comes from the Father. And you, can't, you, you have to remain close to be with the Father. So in his presence is where you find all the good things that we're praying for in our lives. And to be in his presence, he's made it super clear how to get there, number one is getting sin out of our life. I know a lot of people have a lot of questions about why, why why isn't he answering this prayer? Why isn't he why isn't he coming through in this part of my life? I'm like, well, are you still doing such and such and such? <laughs> yeah. But I pray all the time about this thing. Like, <laughs> number one is the hardest yet the easiest answer. If we're not living alive chasing after him, there's your easy answer. Let's start there. But number two, the second way. The second step in his presence is is thanksgiving. It's a posture of gratefulness, gratitude. In Psalm 100, I love the way the message puts this. Um, Verse 1 says, On your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter and sing yourself into his presence. Verse 4 says, Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise. Thank him, worship him. Even the way we're taught to pray starts with worship. It's in Matthew 6, 9, the Lord's Prayer. It's pretty familiar to a lot of us. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That's how you start. You start with worship. Thankfulness and worship is an attitude that provides access to the Father. It's step one. Psalms 22, verse 3. See, I told you I had a lot of scripture. I hope you're writing them down. Psalms 22, verse 3 says, You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And thrown on the praises of your people. And when I think about this, our praises holding him up, sitting on a throne. I don't know what your vision of the Lord, but in my mind, he's giant. Like, he's got to be. He created the universe. He, does, he To me, God deserves a huge throne, okay? And when I think about this verse in day-to-day life, like, how does this look in real life? And I think about the bigger our praises are, the more genuine our praises are. They're building this throne. Are we giving him like that like that one chair in your house that you're like, don't plop down on that? <laughs> Just sit real gentle, cause it might break. Or are we building him a throne that he can sit on and he feels welcome and he feels at home? Are we asking to be in his presence, but providing him like this makeshift kids table situation and say, but but stay, but stay, but be with us. While we sip our coffee and wonder what we're doing after church. You know what I mean? Like this is such a small moment. What are we doing to make him welcome When I, knowing that our praises build his throne? The second thing is that worship is the prescription for privy. P-R-I-V-Y. Privy. This is not a word I use in conversation often. But it's the most perfect word here. Privy means like the inside scoop. It's an intimate thing. It's, a, it's information that's not meant for the general public. So if you're privy to something, you've kind of got, like, you know the secrets. And here's why this is the perfect word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, says that no one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. That's fair. You don't know what I'm thinking, so don't judge me. No, I'm kidding. But in the same way, no one knows God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Fair. But here's the thing. We have received God's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. So he's given us access to all the secrets, to all the insides of his heart, to his character, to the why behind what he does. I love this quote from Dr. Eddie Hyatt. He says, someone has noted that when we pray, we are preoccupied with our needs. When we praise and give thanks, we're preoccupied with our blessings. But when we worship, we're preoccupied only with him. I mean, what else could be in your mind when you're worshiping the Father? When you're saying, God, you are holy. God, you are holy. Not thinking about anything else other than how holy the Lord is. So we enter into his courts with thanksgiving, and then we worship. And that's what brings us close. That's what makes that um, relationship just amplified. There's nothing like feeling close to the Father in worship. And when we plan our songs for Cultivate, there are so many good worship songs out here, out there. And if you want help with what to listen to on your day-to-day, we always keep a Spotify playlist linked on both our Facebook and our Instagram accounts. That's a great place to start. And there are so many great songs, but when we choose the songs that are going to be in here, they are really, really carefully considered. Because it's not lost on me that a lot of people's only time of worship is going to be in this room. And so I want our songs to be based on the Bible 100%. If there's one sentence that we're like, "Mm, I don't know, it's not happening. Because this is such a small just valuable moment to me. And I want it stewarded well. I want it to be worth it to where if this is all the worship of your week, it was worth the time for you to sing the songs or even just read the lyrics. I know everybody's not like, I sang so loud today. That's fine. It doesn't have to be that. But if you even just read the words and let them sink into your soul, I want them to be a prayer that was worth your time to where if that's all that happens all week, I love this scripture in 1 Kings that kind of illustrates the difference to me in what people are looking for God's voice to be and what God's voice really is and why it takes relationship. It's 1 Kings 19, verse 11 through 12. It says, go out and stand before the mountain. The Lord was talking to Elijah. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a gentle whisper. And that is where the voice of the Lord is going to be. He's not going to be screaming at you. He's not going to be like, hey, 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 worship me, worship me. It's going to be when we pause long enough to sit with him that we hear his voice. And why does all this matter? Why does this prescription of privy even matter? Why does the inside? Because when you really know somebody, when you know their heart and you know their character and you know the why behind everything, then you can trust them. You don't operate in fear and anxiety anymore. You operate out of the fact that you can trust the heart of our Father. You say, okay, well, that's what you mean. Okay, I know you because you are who you say you are and your word lays it out perfectly. And I've sat long enough with you know the truth. And that's why that inside matters. So his presence matters to be close. Privy matters, the inside scoop, because then you can trust his heart. And the third thing is that worship is the prescription for purpose. So presence having him close, privy knowing his heart and purpose, how we're going to walk out his power. His So many times we want to see You know the great things. We start down this road of worship, and we're like, oh, now it's going to happen. All my purpose is going to be fulfilled, and da 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 But worship is one of those things that it's like, if it's this missing link, it's missing link. The first and greatest commandment he's given us is what? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. We're told that in Matthew. And the truth of, if you think of true love, real love. If that's our first commandment, and that's the most basic thing, why is he going to deliver on all this other stuff if we can't even show his love? When I think about being married, it's true love, okay? We're going to celebrate 15 years of marriage in December. Yeah, and we're still best friends. We're still very in love, all the things, but what would happen if I never showed Brandon that I loved him? He'd be (laughs) You know, there wouldn't be a lot of confidence in our marriage. He'd probably be like, oh, I guess she still does. We probably wouldn't have one at all. But over 15 years, that amounts to a lot of hugs. That amounts to a lot of kind words. That amounts to a lot of quality time. It amounts to gifts. It amounts to children. There is parts of relationship where you show love, and that's how somebody knows that you really, right? It's got to have an expression. I can't just say it and then walk away. And it's the same with our worship. When it comes to how true love elicits expression with our relationship with the Father, it's worship. It's saying, God, I love you so much. It's that expression of worship. And when we're in that relationship, then you start to see the power that's in his presence. Because you're really, really walking in it. We were all created with purpose. God's had purposes and plans and paths laid out for us before we were born, he tells us. Before we were knit together in our mother's womb, he had your purpose laid out. But so often we'll see, we'll have stuff come against us, right? We've got wars against relationships, against our finances, against our jobs, against our families, against all the things. And we're more likely to say that it's bad luck, or we're more likely to just put blame on somebody. Or we're more likely to say it's the bad economy. Or we're more likely to put a name on it. And I'm never, ever, ever going to be one who's like, oh, there's a devil there, there's a devil there. Like I'm not going to see a devil around every corner. But we do need to call this for what it is. Okay? There's chaos around us. Our nation is like covering up crazy things that are going on. Attacks on our children. Corruption. All. Let's just take a second and call it what it is. It's a spiritual attack. And the truth is, we're tiptoeing around it like there's nothing we can do about it. This is what it makes me think of. Have you ever heard of gentle parenting? God bless you if you have. This is when you take your children and you gently ask them, would you please stop kicking me and maybe just come eat dinner? Will you kindly stop writing on the walls and just clean your room, please? This is gentle parenting. And, again, if that works for you, bless you. But that didn't work for me. It didn't work for my parents either. Look, when I got in trouble, if I was being disrespectful, that belt, like, it came off fast. Now, Asher gets stuff yanked away in a heartbeat. He'll get popped in a second. If he's being disrespectful, there is a change. When mom's had enough, voice tone changes. I get a little taller. He shrinks back a little bit. Even Chief puts his ears back. There is something different about a mama that's had enough. Dad too, but I'm a mama, and I feel like there's something different there. There's something different about it. And a lot of us are gentle existing with the devil, okay? Get this picture in your mind. We're just going, I won't bother you if you don't bother me, and we'll just keep walking around. But here's where we need to get. We need to get so passionate about the purpose that God's put on our lives that we just had enough. That we say, you know what? Not today. I'm going to worship because I know that when I call on the name of Jesus, the darkness has to flee. The enemy can't be here because his light can't be extinguished, but the enemy can be chased away if I will just walk in the power that he's given me. I've had enough. And that's where we've got to get in our purpose. And that's what worship does. It gives us the ability and the reason to like just to know and understand confidently that we're walking in the anointing of the Lord. A lot of the things we're trying to explain away don't have to be explained away. They need to be forced away. They need to be commanded away in the name of Jesus. And this is how you get there. It does take time. It does take work. But the work is relationship. It's closeness. And you can't expect anything different until we get there. That's worship. Saying yes to Jesus is... Step one to all this. Salvation comes through him and him alone. But every step after that is relationship. And worship's going to be your key. And I'm not telling you this morning that you have to like every single song we sing here. You're not going to. We don't. Okay? There's songs that we sing that I don't like. I'll go to another church and not like any of the songs they sing. But when it's time, I'm setting aside for my father and I can look at the words and go, you're right, you are holy. You're, you have always been good. Life can be hard, but your goodness has always been chasing me. I can get out of myself. I love the song, Goodness of God, by the way. But if you don't, you can get out of yourself enough to go, you know what, God? In this moment, I'm choosing to worship. This might not be my jam later, but this is a moment of worship. I want to pray for us this morning. If you will, just bow your heads and close your eyes around this place. What I want is just for God to ignite this fire in us. I want this to be a light bulb moment that says, God, I've been missing part of worship. I have been viewing it as just a musical genre that I may or may not like. I have been seeing this as something that I can choose or reject. And I want just a little bit more. That's all anybody can want is be a little bit better than yesterday. Be a little bit better than yesterday. Be a little bit better than yesterday. You're not going to wake up one day and be Elijah status. But every single day we can grow closer. And that's what my prayer is this morning, is that something in these scriptures, something in this word, would ignite a passion in our hearts to just know our Father. Because truly, worship is the prescription. That's what we have to apply to our life To grow close to Him. That is what will force all the other thoughts out of our mind to where we can be preoccupied with only Him. So this morning, I want to pray first for friends who just need to say yes to Jesus because how dare I let this moment go by and not start there. If you just need to start in the beginning, start at the beginning. Just say, yes, God, today's the day I I want to be different. I want to follow you. Let's just pray together. God, I... Thank you that grace is available to us. God, I thank you that you have sent Jesus, that you have sent your only son to save all of us who just don't deserve it at all. That you've sent him to make us new and to provide access to your presence. So today, God, we pray that you'd forgive us of our sins. We pray for a fresh start. We pray that you would help us from this day forward to chase your heart. And God, for every single one of us in this place, God, I pray that you would help us to see the holes in our life where we could fit in time with you. God, that you would enrich our moments with you. God, that we would be able to hear your voice through the noise, through the trials, through the mess. God, that we would be able to hear your whisper that says, I am here, and I am here to take care of it. I am here to fight on your behalf. Your job is to stay close to me. God, we just love you and thank you for making just a way for us, for letting us come into your presence, for letting us walk in your anointing, for letting us walk in your power. And I pray right now that every single moment that we walk, we'd be reminded that that authority is available to us. In your holy name we pray.